everybody what's up scott jones here uh it's weird it seems like i have more time to record um shows that's what it is are you is this snow uh jason is this snowing over where you're at no it's not we had about a quarter inch this morning and uh that's it nice so i got my buddy jason robillard we go go pretty far back actually man like back to 2000 10 when i started putting on a, a yeah. barefoot race and jason was was out coaching and out at a bunch of events so we got to know each other pretty well back then and uh, we've always kind of kept in touch every few months it seems like we'll get on a text string and just see how each other is doing we have very similar um viewpoints on on the world he's he's uh an educator by trade uh and i guess you've always kind of educated in some way shape or form your whole life from whether it's coaching or in the public school system uh, yeah outside. it's it's been pretty big part of my game for my entire adult life yeah um i, I would say jason has reached uh, expert troll level on his own, <laughs> on his own audience and uh i can definitely appreciate that i i i, I love when you control your own people you know, like when you control your own audience, there's people on, online that go out and like try to push buttons everywhere else. But when you can just do it with people that are near, near and dear, <laughs> it's just great. It's kind of like being, it's kind of like being at Thanksgiving dinner with like too many family members and like you, you, you hold your tongue for long enough and then finally you're like, nope, it's time to just open it up and you just go for it. Yeah, um, it's, it's nice. It's nice. I have a diverse group of friends. They like to argue about nonsense. <laughs> arguing is art so so really quick you know those people we, we haven't been recording in, in years so uh tell us a little bit about your background what's your education in where you live in tell us a little bit about your family um just to get started and then we'll we'll start talking about our, a couple articles you've written recently on, on the stuff that's going on in the world all right uh wow well i'm from michigan originally i uh, grew up in a small town in northern michigan um ended up going to college uh, in michigan taught there for 12 years uh, my wife, Shelly, and I got sick of teaching, got sick of being in Michigan, just wanted to do something crazy. So we basically packed up and traveled around the country for a couple of years teaching people how to run barefoot. Uh, and of course, that's where I met you. Uh, met a lot of my, my friends that are my co-conspirators and trolling online. Um, eventually settled in San Diego, did that for about seven years, got out of the running, ultra running, barefoot running game, got into jujitsu, MMA. Uh, we got really sick of living in San Diego, just too many crowds, too many people. Uh, we, we just needed to get somewhere uh, more quiet. So we ended up moving to uh, Western Slope of Colorado. We've been here about a year and a half, maybe, somewhere in that ballpark. Nice. Um, I went back to teaching, uh, which has been hit or miss. Uh, my wife, Shelly, who was a teacher by trade, actually is now an animal control officer of all things. So she's a dog catcher. And, so uh, and we, we bought a gym, uh, jujitsu and MMA gym. So that's cool. That's pretty much where we're at right now. Animal control. That probably would have gone, that probably would have helped out her in, in her uh, early life with you. I'm assuming. Yeah. 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 It's just, a, you know, going from one type of animal to another type of animal. <laughs> you gave her all the, you gave her all the training she needed for, for this, this world. <laughs> How many times a week do you drive your wife crazy? Um, actually not, not that much. Like, no, probably under 10. Oh, that's 10, pretty good. 10, 10 max. 1.4 a day. That's good. Uh, so the part of, of what you do that I can really appreciate is, uh, the, the writing and the psychology. Uh, that's where a big part of your background is. You've got a, you got a strong background and, and seem, seem to have a good understanding of history. Um, you you understand politics and how the country works. It seems I, it's something that I'm not a hundred percent interested in. I, I, I kind of I kind of keep my um, my toe in the water on this stuff, but uh, I don't have a crazy interest. I just I've always felt, and this, this might sound ignorant, um, I've never I've never felt a huge difference in my lifestyle based on who was in office. I just my day to day. I understand that there are people that maybe do based on policy and stuff like that. But I like how you kind of dive into that stuff and educate from, <laughs> from just a, just a, uh, an actual, you know, what's actually going on at the level, just things that you would learn in history class that I just haven't um, really delved into. So I always think that's pretty interesting and in, in stuff that you do. And then you write, you write a lot, you write a lot on psychology, on relationships, um, 
uh, things that probably make people uncomfortable, I, I would assume some, some of the stuff, sexuality and things that, uh, people don't understand, uh, the alpha versus the beta type stuff. <laughs> I always think that's very entertaining. Um, it seems like common sense until, it, I mean, even after reading a lot of stuff that you write, it seems like common sense. Like it seems like it's just built into the way that I've always kind of seen things in a lot of ways. So there's going to be a connection there, but what, uh, we have, we have this unprecedented, I mean, I don't know how many times, I don't know how many times in my life I've said unprecedented so many times in the week, but <laughs> here you go. I, you know, uh, so we got this crazy times. Actually, did you see that video online about those dudes that were, uh, on the grand Canyon rafting and they came out, they, they had been down there for like a 28 day rafting <laughs> trip and the news dudes caught them when they came out and they had no idea what was going on. That, that would be insane. I mean, this is this, what has happened in the last two weeks here in the U S has been like nothing I we've ever experienced in our life. Um, I couldn't imagine not seeing that at all, you know, to go from what we were like a couple of weeks ago to what we are right now today. Yeah. That, that would be crazy. It's just, it's uh it's compounding interest on society. If you understand those concepts, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and so much of it is, you know, it's just like how the stock market works. It's a lot, so much of it is based on speculation and panic and nervousness. So things compound even faster. I mean, we saw that with, I mean, you actually did write about the toilet paper thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe you, you, you spoke about it in terms of the psychology of it all, but let's talk about, um, I, I want to talk about first and we won't keep it so, so scary, um, the whole time, but you wrote an article preparing for the corona, coronavirus pandemic depression and mitigating the coming economic collapse. I think it would, it would serve our listeners to say that uh, we both are very optimistic people. Mm-hmm. And I think it would serve to say that I don't think it's going to get as bad as it could possibly be by any means. But I would also say, you know, as a coach and as a trainer, my whole life, like even with my athletes, you train for the best case scenario and you plan for the worst case scenario. So that's how training happens. And I think in life and and when something like this is happening, you do that as well. It seems like that article was written kind of in that vein. It is. It's entirely written in that vein. One of the more distressing things about all of this is um, a lot of people really don't seem to understand exactly what is likely going to happen in the next few days or week or two weeks. You know, Um, uh, we look at Europe right now and how, uh, their economies are basically shutting down and everybody is is stuck in their houses and they can't leave. Uh, I, I don't think a lot of people really grasp what that would look like here and how that would affect their daily lives. Uh, as far as loss of income, how are you going to get food? How are you going to get medicine? How are you going to you know, deal with your being stuck in a house with your kids for forever. You know, it, it's that, that, that takes a, a significant psychological adjustment. Um, when I was traveling around the country with a wife and kids, we had six people living in a 300 square foot RV for two years, actually, I guess three years. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's hellish. Uh, and it's a really difficult thing for people to adapt to. Uh, on top of that, you have the stress of, of you know, maybe you're going to have people that are, that you know, that are contracting this virus. Uh, maybe you have, God forbid, somebody, you know, that dies from it. Um, th- there's a lot of negative things that could happen that a, a lot of people really don't seem to be preparing for. Uh, and I'm the same. I'm the, the, the way you phrase it is, is perfect. You know, you hope for the best, but you plan for the worst. Um, and there's a lot of people out there that are planning for what could be our best case scenario which is basically not planning at all. What, what's your reaction as a pretty laid back person seeing just the, the footage of the spring breakers like down in Florida, like half hammered, <laughs> you know, they're, like, they're, 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 you know, 20 something college kids. Uh, that's, that's what they do. Um, this isn't going to hit home for people until it really hits home for them. Uh, right now it's, you know, just some vague numbers and some scary stuff that they're talking about on the news. Um, until it affects people personally, until they lose their job, until they don't have that income, you know, until something like that happens or until they're confined to their house or bars and restaurants close in their town and they can't you know, go to McDonald's and get a quarter pounder. It, until stuff like that starts to happen, it's not going to be real for most people. It's it's kinda- it's- 
it's hard to, to uh, there are moments where I'm like, wow, I can't believe this is actually happening. You know? Yeah. It was kind of, I had a funny idea for like a, a, a viral video. It would be um, just someone acting like these, these dumb young kids. And then this big, this would be good in your world, MMA world. There's some big Jack dude with like a coronavirus, a shirt that said coronavirus on it, just coming and just cold cocking people. I'm not scared of coronavirus and then just getting drilled. By, yeah, by that would be awesome. Because uh, that's kind of what you want to happen when you see these guys on the on the videos and stuff. Um, yeah, I think until people, especially the young people, um, they're going to unfortunately have to have it hit really close to home before they realize. And that's just the psyche. I mean, I was a 20-something dude at, at some point, And uh, I mean, I was pretty 23 when 9-11 happened. That, mm-hmm. that hit pretty hard home. But um, life got back to normal pretty quick for, for most people if you weren't in the military, I think. Uh, even for the recession in 2008, like I was pretty broke in 2008. So it didn't really hit me as much as it could have, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, everything affects everyone in different ways. I just wish, yeah, you just wish people would be a little more reasonable about it. It seems like Colorado is a fairly smart state, man, across the board. Like I was, I was in the Western Slope this weekend. I've been in the city here. Uh, even in the five days I was gone, like just the streets have been combed for the most part. I mean, people are going to work who who are working still but there's not a lot of like just non-essential moving around town mm-hmm. D- does it feel like a smart place to you it feels smarter to me than a lot of places yeah it really does and i think I, I i didn't know if that was just you know small town on the western slope uh where i live i didn't know if that was just the effect of being here versus someplace uh an urban center somewhere or somewhere else like that but for the most part yeah people are pretty calm um, there's a lot of people here that are taking legitimate steps to prepare. You know, they're just getting food ready. Uh, they're anticipating not being able to work. You know, there's people cutting back on expenses, just doing some logical stuff that would be smart things to be doing right now. I mean, a lot of these smart things to be doing for, for an emergency like this are smart things to do on a daily basis. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So yes. we're just magnifying those. So, so you had some fun stuff in the article on just ways to prepare. I'm not going to go into the, to the history because some of those numbers are pretty scary, but we don't have to, so we don't have to like look at all of that stuff. But I think the thing that you do really well is, you know, one thing I hate about people in general media, I, I think a lot of people don't realize like if you are posting on Facebook, you are technically part of the media. Like people are consuming the words that you're saying and you have a platform. It might yeah, not be yeah, millions of definitely. people, but one thing that's really frustrating is a people aren't willing to put their face on it. So you can type, type, type hide behind your keyboard all day long. Uh, I would love to see a rule for, especially some of the, the discussions that you've had where you have to get on a video and talk to that person because <laughs> people are scared shitless to do that. And then number two solutions, everybody can tell, t- I can tell you what the problems are all day long. If you don't like this president, you don't like the next president, you don't like the, the one from 10 years ago. Uh, then you need to have what you would do different. If, if you want to be a viable voice, to me, I, you know, people are different. So what I love about you is you always are trying to figure out solutions and give people ways to do this. And you're going, and I'm telling you this right now, you need to be doing this at scale. Jason. <laughs> You've been holding back on the podcast. I've been bugging your ass forever. To ever do this. So this might be your launch party for the El Diablo friggin' podcast. Um, yeah, it very well could be. So here's, so I'm going to, I'm going to read all of your points and we'll go back and, and touch on them a little bit. And, okay. uh, maybe you'll be able to tell that I have my degree in education as well after, (laughs) after this. So um, really quick, number one, develop a survival mindset Two, stop buying stuff. Three, build an emergency stash of cash, cash, Uh, eliminate waste is four. learn to cook healthy foods from basics. Six is reinforce bonds with your social network. Seven is learn to forge. Eight is identify all of the charitable groups in your area. Nine is diversify your professional skill set. I can't wait to talk about that one. Cause that's some really good stuff on that. Um, 10 learn the skills our grandparents knew and 11 learn from the experiences from others. So uh, I, we wouldn't have to go into descriptions anyway, but this is a, this is a long form podcast. So let's, let's do it, man. So what's so number one, develop a survival mindset. What, what does that mean to you? What should people be thinking about when you, when you say that? Well, I think it's just the idea that you can make it through it. You know, a lot of people go into something like this and they're uh, they, they, this is, this is why I like throwing out, you know, okay, what's a worst case scenario? And that worst case scenario is going to terrify you. It, it should terrify you. It's a worst case scenario. Um, and simply actualizing what that fear looks like 
Like, okay, what if that actually does happen? What am I going to do in order to overcome this? Um, and I think that's the, the very basic element of that survival mindset. Uh, you know, we've all been through pretty horrific shit in our lives, most of us. Uh, we've had struggles, and we've overcome those struggles. And the things that allowed us to overcome those struggles, that's part of that survival mindset. So it's really just the idea that I can go into this and I'm going to make it. I'm going to be okay. You know, sometimes that's as simple as just telling yourself stupid affirmations. Like, I'm a survivor. I'm going to get through this. I can solve these problems. You know, psychologically, even if we think it's complete bullshit, there is a positive effect in that. It actually does affect your behavior. It affects your motivation to actually tackle whatever it is you're, you're going after. Um, if you go into something like uh, uh, what we're probably going to experience in the coming weeks and months, if you go into that thinking, oh, I, I don't know if I'm going to survive this, I don't know how I'm going to make it, you know, maybe you're not going to. Uh, so having the right mindset, I think, is one of the very first, one of the most important things people really need to do. Yeah, and I, I always tie things back into my world of coaching and sport. And, um, you know, we've, we both dabbled in, in ultra running. I still work with lots of ultra runners as a coach and I'm becoming ultra that other platform. And, uh, before visualization is huge for, for any sport, not just running, but before you go run a really long distance, you've got to get your head into thinking about every possible negative thing that can happen. And you have to figure out what your response to that thing is before you go into it. Because if you go in and you cramp up at mile 32 and you're running 60 miles, um, you might not figure out how to get out of that because cramping is painful and it's hard to keep moving. But you know, if you have a plan, I'm going to, I'm going to sit down for 10 minutes. I'm going to stretch out. I'm going to hydrate. I'm going to rub it down a little bit. And then I'm going to start moving slowly until cramp subsides and I'm keep moving. Um, and you can go that all the way up to a freaking broken leg if you have to, if you really, mm -hmm. really want to finish something. So once you've experienced the worst in your brain and, and you've kind of come up with a conclusion, how to get through it, then it's going to be more doable. I think the hard part for most people is just accepting that they don't know what's going to happen. And that's going to be hard for everybody in these situations. But if you kind of take that part of it day by day, just plan on surviving for that day based on where you are and what your circumstances are, the chances of coming out um, in a positive place is good. Cause you really don't want to lose your humanity in these situations because uh, it, it is going to get better. And <laughs> if you've sold your soul, yeah. if you sold your soul during these times, um, that's going to be a lot harder to, to live with than, than doing it the right way. Yeah. And I think that's entirely right. I mean, just understanding what you may face is a huge part of this. You know, that was a big deal with a lot of the writing that I did related to ultra running. It wasn't so much, uh, you know, race reports, although I guess I did that a little bit, but a lot of it was, Hey, this is, this is the shit that you're probably going to face. This is how I dealt with it. You know, you need to figure out some way that you're going to deal with this too. Um, like what, the worst case scenario that could happen with this whole coronavirus pandemic, this isn't something that's unique to humanity. I mean, we have countless generations that went through way worse than this. Uh, we can study what they experienced, how they got through it and use that to, you know, help us come up with a plan on how we're going to get through this. Yep. All right. Number two, stop buying stuff, all caps. It's the only one that made all caps. <laughs> so uh, what do you mean? Stop buying stuff. So there's a tendency when people are confronted with any sort of uncertainty, they want to do something to alleviate that uncertainty. Usually it manifests as anxiety. And one of the things that we love to do here in America and throughout the entire West is we buy stuff to release, uh, reduce anxiety. Um, and unfortunately, when you're in a situation where your financial future is perilous, uh, one of the worst things you could do is go on a spending spree and buy a bunch of shit. Uh, just because money is going to be valuable to you. It's do you know people that are doing that? What's that? Do you know people that do that? I, I'm sure there are plenty of people that go and just spend. Oh yeah. 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 Um, I could go to, I was at Walmart earlier today, which that's a, an adventure the last couple of days. Uh, and there are people buying like ridiculous stuff, like big ticket items, like an air conditioner and, um, what else did I see? Somebody was buying a rototiller, which I guess, you know, gardening, but yeah. uh, still they, they were buying a lot of really big ticket items based on the cars they were driving and how they were dressed. Like that's probably a bit of a financial stretch. Like it's probably not a time to be buying stuff like that. Or, you know, like planning vacations or, 
whatever. You don't want to waste your money at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you are buying stuff, like buy it for the situation, you know, um, yeah, I think we probably, you probably covered some of this stuff on here. Uh, so number three kind of off of that was to stash cash. Wait, why, why is that important? Well, this is the one that nobody ever likes to think about, but I mean, historically our, our banking system isn't like banks only carry so much cash on hand. Like we only have so much money in circulation. Uh, when people think we're faced with any kind of disaster, there's always a psychological tendency to hoard anything and everything. And that includes just cash. Uh, so it's a good idea to not assume that your banks are going to be open. You're not going to just be able to go to the ATM to get money out. You may not even be able to use your debit cards or credit cards. Just always a good idea to have cash on hand. Do, um, do, and I always recommend, you know, I get that from Dave Ramsey and his uh, yeah. financial PC university thing, having that thousand dollar emergency fund. Um, tried to do that for well, probably about the last 15 years. And it, it's a good system. I recommend it. I've, I've always hoarded cash. I've, I just, uh, I've had a couple times in my adult life where I literally had to go to the piggy bank and I'm like, no, this is never happening again. Um, you know, you know, you learn, you learn from experience and everything, but, uh, I've cash stashed around the house. I'm not telling you how much neighbors. Yes. I'll tell, I'll, tell, I'll tell you later. No, actually I do want to, I want to know how much you, we'll talk about this later. Cause I, for the last, before this even hit, you know, I have a bunch of clients, like you're just conversational. I've been asking people for the last two months, how much cash they have and not the cash that's in your, your checking account. I'm talking about how much green do you have on your person in your house that you can get to? Um, Cause I just think of like just the grid going out. I mean, electricity goes out, your bank's gone. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, that's the easiest way to lose access to your money is if electricity's gone. When, uh, when, when we lived in San Diego, uh, Shelly had a friend who had lived through the blackout of 2011. I think it was before we lived there uh, where the entire Southwest went dark um, for a while. And uh, that, that was one of the things that happened. Nobody had, nobody had very much cash with them. Um, her friend talked about people just being in absolute panic because they had no means of buying stuff because no electricity, the entire grid goes down. Uh, even temporarily, if you don't have cash, you, you're not buying anything. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, next one, number four, eliminate waste. Yeah, and that's just the idea. You know, don't, don't waste your electricity. Don't waste any resource that you have that's going to cost you more money. So it's really just a savings thing. Um, you could even get back to, uh, so my mother-in-law was a child of the depression. Uh, her, her parents lived through the depression, uh, and instilled all kinds of what I always chalked up as kind of annoying habits now like, Oh yes. Okay. That's, those are some good habits where you just leave everything. You know, we throw a lot of stuff away. Um, in a situation where we have a uncertain economic future, it's kind of useful to, Get in the habit of finding uses for everything you have, including a lot of the stuff that we normally just throw away. Yeah, so Ziploc baggies, re- yeah. clean, cleaning them out. Um, egg cartons we use for like se- starting seeds, you know, all that little stuff. Reusing your plastic bottles, your glass bottles. That stuff exactly. is definitely at a premium. It's cool. Uh, all right. Cook healthy with basic ingredients. Yeah, so this is, uh, I actually like cooking. I don't really talk about this very much, but it's one of my hobbies. Um, Shelly and I have spent a lot of time cooking. Like Most of our meals, I'd say probably 90% of our meals, we cook ourselves uh, from scratch. I mean, I was like experimenting with different dishes and different, uh, different types of cuisine and stuff like that. But it's a really good habit to get into. Number one, you save a lot of money. Number two, in the situation we have right here in Colorado, which I don't think this has spread very far to other states, right now, but all of our restaurants and bars are shut down. Uh, they're still doing takeout and delivery right now, at least some of them. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that rely entirely on restaurants for food, you know, rely on delivery, rely on drive through um, In the very near future, that, that might go away. Uh, if you don't have the ability to prepare your own food uh, and you don't have the ability to run to stores to, to buy prepared food, uh, you know, frozen TV dinners and stuff like that. Uh, you have to eat somehow and cooking is a great way to 
to do that. Yeah, it's so hard to realize that so many people don't don't cook, but it's a real thing for sure. Yeah, and it's it's you know there's just if people have no idea how to cook, start watching the Food Network. It'll it'll teach you everything you need to know. And one thing I, I've always talked about with with clients on, as far as nutrition is concerned is like have those like five recipes that you can make um, without looking up the recipe, without having to go through follow an ingredient list um, that are healthy that you can just whip up anytime. You can season the taste. Just have those internalized because I think the thing that makes it hard is when you're learning new things over a period of time. It just gets uh, kind of overwhelming to have to go step by step and if you don't have ingredients exactly right then sometimes it's not right so i think that always helps um if you have it kind of internalized anyway all right cook healthy uh number six is reinforce bonds in your social networks you're speaking to the the tribal nature that we're kind of hardwired for so talk about that a little bit yeah so this is one of my this is so my, my my background's in experimental psychology um and i learned from a bunch of uh evolutionary psychologists like those were most of my mentors in college uh, so i have a healthy dose of evolutionary psychology baked into me uh, and it, a big part of what i've been doing the last couple of years in relation to sex and gender and, and relationships and uh, starting men's groups and stuff like that is based on the idea that we're, we're pretty much hardwired for tribalism um, if you look at most human behavior you it can be explained through a tribal lens you know, that's the reason why we're sports fans. That's the reason why we will hate a player on another team. They come to our team and we're like, oh, I love this guy. You know, <laughs> goofy stuff like that. Uh, or we have like crosstown rivalries or whatever, you know. It's like now we're in a small town. So we hate all of our surrounding small towns. You know, all of that stuff or, or politics. You know, that's the reason we have crazy conservatives and crazy liberals. It's all just tribalism. And when it comes to something like this, you know, it, it, this is a very real potential survival type situation where uh, life might get really difficult in the near future. And the best way to mitigate that is to have a strong social network. You know, have people that you can that you can rely on. Have people that will rely on you. Um, one of the one of the coolest things. This is a silver lining, I guess, with this whole pandemic thing is, and I can see this happening already on Facebook. Uh, yeah, for, for those who don't follow me on Facebook or know who I am on Facebook, uh, I'm basically a, a, a dick that just prods uh, <laughs> people's divisions and just exasperates that. Um, and you're seeing a real coming together of people who are just like hardcore Trump supporting conservatives and, you know, just more hardcore feminists. They're actually like engaging in smart dialogue right now about, you know, what's going on and they're genuinely concerned about the world around them and they're worried about themselves and their family. Um, and that, that cohesiveness that you're seeing is I believe a function of tribalism. So uh, in a situation like this, I think it's important to you know, reinforce all of those social connections you have, especially in your local area, you know, yeah. who are the, your coworkers that you feel an attachment to who are your neighbors, you know, get to know those people. Uh, offer to help them out when you can. Uh, you know that's that's critically important when it comes to any sort of uh, situation where we're going to be facing something difficult. You might know. I can't. I'm not giving stats or anything because I don't know exactly. But this seems like in your realm. It seems like I read not too long ago, a couple years ago, about suicide rates in America specifically during times of of strife and trouble, like during the Depression, during wars. Um, right around 9-11 and something to the fact something to the effect that the mental mental health of people actually improves when there's a survival mechanism and uh, I don't know if there's stats on that or if I'm just imagining this something as something I read Um, either way have you heard that before is this is this a thing yeah there's uh Sebastian Younger yeah that's right yeah talks about it in his book Tribe which is an awesome book I, I highly recommend it for everybody um, but that was one of the points that he made in, in the book. Um, usually if there's some kind of disaster, there will always be a certain percentage of the population that uh, essentially, well, they commit suicide. 
yeah. like very early on. Um, just oh, because on? Okay. overwhelmed with whatever it is that, that they're faced with. But the people that make it through the first, like the very, very beginning of something, um, they're, yeah, their mental health improves dramatically. And we think a big function, or the reason it happens is a function of um, they're, they're participating in a tribe. It basically gives your life meaning beyond, you know, our, our individual lifestyles that we, that we live. You know, that typical consumer lifestyle where we're just buying everything and working a job to pay the bills, to accumulate more stuff, to pay off more bills of stuff we really don't need. You know, we get caught in that loop and it's really a pretty, pretty shallow existence. Um, and when we have a situation where we have to rely on other people and they have to rely on us, that's deeply fulfilling. And that's one of the best things about sports. You know, that's one of the reasons why we participate in sports. It gives us a little bit of a taste of that. Um, and when it, when it comes to actual like life and death survival, I don't know if the pandemic thing will come to that, but it's still something that's going to foster that, that connectedness. In people. I love it, man. Yeah. I, I, I think like, I don't have a psychology background. I use sports psychology is the closest to any kind of psychology background, but I think, uh, like I was thinking about the stages of, of what people are going through. Like at first there's some, definitely some denial and then definitely some people who are on the other extreme, like just hoarding everything, just <laughs> to your toilet paper uh, article. And, uh, and then you have some people that kind of in the middle who've already taken precautions in their life and they've already been saving money and being frugal and stuff like that. Um, whatever, wherever you are, when it starts, it doesn't matter. Then the step, the second step is once everybody realizes there's an issue, then everybody's got an uptick and everybody's, um, kind of paying attention to exactly what's going on and taking precautions. Then you get to the meat of it where it, there is a legitimate struggle and the psychology changes to, you know, in the beginning people are saving their pennies and trying to keep their business rolling and trying to keep it. And, and I think this is important. I think things should, I think people should try to keep things as normal as possible for as long as possible mm-hmm. because the chance that if it is over sooner, then we can get back to normal faster. But at some point um, when it's apparent that things aren't going to get normal at any soon point, then we're all going to be in the same boat anyway. Mm-hmm. So you keep it as normal as long as you can. And then all of a sudden we're all in the same boat. We all need food and shelter and, and uh, loved ones around. And uh, it's just interesting to think about how do you get people to realize the last step where food and shelter are the most important things in their experiences and not focus on the BS that a lot of our society is based on. Just something I always think about anyway. Well, tragedy certainly has a way of forcing the issue. You know, I mean, if we, we look throughout history, I mean, there's countless examples of this. Um, I mean, it, the, the one example that was probably relevant in our lives, 9-11, um, you saw in the immediate after effect of that, you saw that coming together of people. You saw people yeah. no longer concerned about all of the, just the, 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 the stupid issues that we spend way too much time worrying about and actually were, were concerned about each other. Um, concerned about getting through it and, and, and you know, just, just making it through. Yeah, it's cool. All right. Number seven, learn to forge. <laughs> <laughs> so this one, I throw this out here because it's useful, but it's highly dependent on where you live. Um, yeah, for sure. If you've ever tried foraging, which I, for some reason, I, I suspect you probably have a little bit of foraging experience. Mm-hmm. Um, West Virginia mostly. It's, really, it's a lot harder in Colorado, I will say. Yeah, it, depending on where you're at, like in Michigan, it was relatively easy. We had a lot of edible plants, a lot of berries, um, just a lot of fruit growing everywhere. Um, here, it's it's much much more difficult. Like I've, I've tried it here uh, a few times, and it's been like there's there's no way I would survive. If I were out in the wilderness foraging for stuff, I'd, I would die probably within about two weeks. Um, <laughs> two weeks. It, it's, it's just difficult. Having that ability to recognize that, you know, that can be, if the wilderness can be a food source. Um, that's something that a lot of people overlook. And if you have, if you're surrounded by wilderness, you know, start learning that, that your surroundings. Yeah. Um, because there are a lot of potential food sources. Uh, if you're in an urban area, this is, so I don't even remember which friends they were a couple years ago back in, well, more than a couple, uh, probably like 10 years ago, back in the barefoot running days, uh, we had a, gr- a subgroup of friends that really got into dumpster diving for a while. I, I remember that actually. Um, and I, I was always interested enough to follow along with it, but never interested enough to really try it. I didn't really have, I've spent enough time around dumpsters to not want to have to do that 
you know, recreationally. But uh, it's entirely valid. Uh, I've worked in a lot of different businesses, you know, restaurants, grocery stores, stuff like that. They throw out a lot of stuff that is still perfectly edible. And it's usually thrown away in a way where it's not getting contaminated with other garbage. Dude, uh, my wife used to work at Starbucks. Like really? back in 2009, they threw away so much crap every night. It was un. Oh yeah, it was unreal. I was like, dude. She's like, no, they're not. Allowed, they don't let us take. I was like, uh, yeah. If you're closing, you grab all the sandwiches. I need breakfast for about a week. Oh yeah, it, it's it. it's shocking uh, how much stuff gets thrown away. Uh, I mean, produce, meats, prepared food. I mean, what did, everything, cheeses. Along with do you do you hunt? I used to back in the day, yeah. back when I was a kid in, in Michigan. Uh, something that I've been wanting to get in, get uh, involved with here in Colorado, just haven't had the time. Yeah, there, I, I'm learning right now. I went on my first uh, bow hunt last year for elk. Awesome experience, just learning every day, and um, yeah, hoping that that skill does not have to be a survival skill, but still a good <laughs> one to have. I'm glad I have most of the skill now i still need some help gutting that bad boy but you know we'll figure it out um all right identify charitable groups in your direct area so how what were you thinking when you said that because i didn't really grab all that yeah there you go so this 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 one is um one of the biggest issues that people are going to have immediately if stuff really starts to go south people start losing their jobs or just losing their incomes or you know, laid off or furloughed or whatever for a period of time, food can, can become a real issue. Um, and if you don't have the money to buy food, there's a lot of charitable groups all over the place. Um, you know, food banks, food pantries, soup kitchens, um, a lot of schools, like our schools here, our school district that I work for here uh, is continuing to serve breakfast and lunch to all students. You know, not just like the free and reduced students who would get free lunch anyway, but uh, they're serving lunch to all students. And they plan on doing that um, indefinitely, I believe, for the rest of the school year. Um, So if people are going hungry and they're struggling to feed their family and you've exhausted, you know, your your, all of your savings and, uh, you know, you're not you're not doing so well foraging and dumpster diving or whatever. (laughs) uh, There's always resources around community. Sounds good. I like that. Um, number nine, diversify your professional skill set. Would you have in mind there? Yeah. So this one is, you know, and we we got a little bit spoiled there for a few years. Our economy was doing great. Uh, jobs abound, but as companies start making a decision, okay, who do we have to let go? It's not always based on seniority. Um, if you have the ability to do something to bring value to an employer. Or if you have a business of your own, you know, if there's something else that you can do uh, that brings other expertise into your business, that's going to give you some sort of competitive edge. Uh, You know, as the market, the job market shrinks, it gets more competitive. And the more diversified your skill set, the more valuable you are as an employee. And if you have a bunch of obscure skills and you have a way to make those skills or to turn those skills into actual value, you know, that's something that you should begin working on or something you should be working on all the time. Something you really should be working on right now. If anybody's listening, I have lots of skills. Just <laughs> I'm not worried yet. I, I'll tell you what, like being an entrepreneur, dude, um, I've learned digital, digitally and otherwise a million ways to make money. I mean, I've been, if I put a list of all of the significant money that I've made from different avenues and it, it, it's, it all kind of ties into um, health fitness performance, but it goes into digital, it goes into marketing, it goes into live events, it goes into online events, all that stuff. Um, these are crazy. Uh, I, I learned, I think I told you the story, but after uh, the naked foot, me and Lauren went out and uh bust our butt we put on this event we lost a lot of money in this in, in a 10-week period of time we grossed a lot of money but there's so many variables that we just didn't understand and we literally paid off about a quarter million dollars in six years of debt <laughs> and that was uh we probably paid off the last of it in the, in the last year so the reason this this dumbass virus is really frustrating me i was telling you offline like we're we're closing on a house in the next week or two and we're just trying to 
make sure that this happens because we we did so much work to get back here but it's neither here nor there if it doesn't happen then we're supposed to do something else you know but Mm -hmm. what the one thing that i learned from that whole experience was not about how you invest your money it wasn't about how you saved your money although we don't we haven't used credit cards in seven or eight years we have everything's cash i mean we just kind of believe in that anyway um the one thing we've learned is diversify income as much as anything else like everybody says diversify your your um your investments, which is important, is important too. But I, at any given time, have three to four revenue streams that make up a quarter to a third of my income. So if any of any one of those falls completely off, I'm taken care of. And Lauren has two to three herself. Um, back in the day, we used to work together on all of our things, and probably six, when that when that happened, we had kids. And like she was stressed. Um, we split up in the house, you know, we work from home a lot of times and she would work on two projects and I would work on three projects and and that's where we're at now. So we essentially have five small little businesses. Um, but coming out of this, even right now, like just finding what, like this is not going to be a transactional society, um, from a money standpoint today, Mm -hmm. but it is the time to build goodwill and show leadership. So when we come out of this, we're all good not to throw big companies under the bus, but there's orange theory, um, in my industry, they are dropping the ball, man. They, they shut the doors the day, the day after this thing came to be, and they are not paying. I've talked to a bunch. I, maybe they are in some places, but as far as I know, they're not paying their trainers who have been with them for years and years and years. And, uh, they're not building goodwill with the community in that way. And they're sending out like just cheesy corporate videos for people to do at home stuff. And what people need now more than anything is connection. And, uh, I don't know. I think about all these things, you know, like, if you can diversify how you're, you're making the money and right, right now attention is the currency and taking care of people is the currency. Um, well, and that's, I mean, to that point, I have a lot of, I mean, in the, in the jujitsu industry, everybody, every gym right now is putting out instructionals and like work from home, you know, do the, here's a workout you can do at home, which is okay. But I'm a lot more concerned about our students, like their actual welfare. That's sort of the impetus behind all these blog posts that I've been reading, uh, writing recently. Uh, you know, it's like, no, this is how you take care of yourself first. Don't, you know, don't worry about jujitsu. Jujitsu will be here when we get through this. Right now, we have to work on surviving this. Um, and that's, that, that's kind of frustrating to uh, some of my other coaches. You know, I think they really want to get in there and keep, keep teaching. But it's like, no, we have to, we have to take care of our, 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 our tribe right now. Yeah. That takes precedence over... Uh, you know, here in Colorado, we're, we're forced to close our doors. Um, I, I, I'm much more concerned about the welfare of our students and our members than I am about, um, you know, trying to give them some bits of information. Yeah. It's the thing, like if the owners think that their, their business is the workout, they're out of their freaking minds. Like you can yes. work out, everybody can work. I, I could have my mom give you a workout and you could go do it right now and it would be a good workout it has nothing to do it's the people aspect um and you can still i'll, I'll give you a couple ideas even for your gym um things that i implemented right away with with manic out here uh where we're at we put together a scheduled day day one that the gym's closed down 8 a.m it's manic in the mornings i hop on with some coffee with by myself i have a list of things i want to talk about keep it positive set expectations for the day talk about members and things they're doing during this time um, then nine o'clock goes into the fitness aspect where they can follow along. One o'clock, we have a positive post about getting outside out of the house and mental health um, strategies, like really just getting outside. And then we do a recap every night. And only one of the four of those has to do with fitness. Mm-hmm. Everything else is just getting people on a structure, getting them off the media cycle, let, letting them trust that we're going to make some interesting decisions. Like we're, we're renting out all of our equipment for free. Um, until this thing blows over. So there's going to be rowers and bikes going out to people's houses. There's going to be tons of dumbbells and sandbags and slam, uh, kettlebells and slam balls all leaving the gym to people. Um, you got to take care of your people mentally. The physical part, they're, they're going to do something anyway, whether you're there or not. And it's just group fitness online. It's not a great platform anyway. Like mm-hmm. the, the people who come to the, your gym and my gym, that we do out here and my clients, they're already disciplined people. They just want to learn more and be pushed. So they already have the discipline. They need the structure that they didn't have a week ago and we can provide a lot of that. So yeah, it's the fact, 
because I hate throwing orange. Theory. Actually, I don't hate throwing orange theory under the bus, but they got bought by like a billion dollar company. So or a VC firm. So who cares? But they put these, uh, they put these videos up, dude. It was like a, a green screen behind them and everything's white. It was a trainer and a, and another trainer doing the exercises that she was showing him. He's holding like paint buckets. You can use paint buckets at home. And they're doing like only lunges with no, there's no other like realistic thing in the room. Cause they were, they like deleted everything around them on the video. Like, who in the hell's going to watch this? It's coming from corporate. Nobody cares about that. Yeah. It's just uh, taking care of your people's mentality is huge. So if you, if I would say like take all these skills that Jason's given you and all these ideas and uh, use them for yourself so you can make it through this. But if you're thinking in the future, building goodwill and being a leader in the community is going to help you more than just about anything in these periods of time. Well, I think you're right. We, I mean, you really hit the nail on the head when you think, or when you mentioned a lot of people seem to think that we're in the business of just fitness. And that's not why people come to our gym. You know, that's not, we don't, we don't have people come here just like, I just I'm gonna want to lose 20 pounds and then they're going to leave. No, people come here for the social aspect of it. They come here for the connectedness. You know, they come here to be part of something, to belong, or as an escape. Uh, you know, there's all these other reasons that people are going to come through the door and, and train with you. And yeah, I think a lot of people right now are missing that point. Yep, absolutely. All right, we got a couple more. Uh, learn the skills our grandparents knew. So what were those skills? Basically, how to take care of yourself. You know, how to do anything and everything, whether it be like home repair, car repair, um, stuff like preserving food. Uh, you know, like how many people really know how to can food nowadays? Uh, not many. Uh, and that could be a very useful skill or just growing a garden. Um, we have one of the guys, uh, one of our members of our gym owns a organic soil company here in town where, uh, um, he produces like some of the best, uh, growing material, uh, anywhere in the world. And, uh, we're probably going to start making some videos about, you know, how do you start a garden? Um, which is something that's really relevant. Just, you know, as we move forward with this, people are going to be stuck at home. They need something to do. Here's something that you can do to keep yourself occupied, keep the kids occupied. And here's something that's going to provide a little bit of food. Um, so like gardening is a huge one. I'm trying to remember what else I had on the list. Uh, butchering, cheese making, metalworking, woodworking, mm. beer making. Can you, you make know, beer? I, I want to make, I, I, I didn't learn how to do that. I've, I've always wanted to. I've made one <laughs> before. Uh, Shelly was really into that for a while. Uh, we used to make just a huge, just a ton of wine. Oh, nice. That's that, we, that we stopped because uh, we just drank it all. Um, yeah, it's a problem. But yeah, I would, I would, I would love to uh, get into beer making. I have some friends that do it, and it's like, ah, damn, I wish I would have learned earlier. Uh, <laughs> there's but, a lot of equipment. And there's a lot of process. I've, I've done a couple of home brews with buddies, but um, yeah, I mean, if we have that time coming up, sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, these are these are a lot of things that uh, that are useful. We get in the habit of just hiring everything else. Right. Uh, we become extremely specialized where we're good at one particular skill. Uh, you know, usually that's whatever our profession is. Uh, but we kind of lost that Jack of all trades mentality. And I grew up in the sticks of, you know, the middle of nowhere. So you just, when you live out in a rural area, you tend to do a lot of stuff. You just, you learn a lot of skills. Uh, granted a lot of them are rusty, but it always surprised me. I remember when I moved to San Diego, you know, I was around a bunch of people who had never lived anywhere else besides the city. Um, and it would come to something simple like, how do you paint trim in a house? And they, they have no idea how to go about doing that. Okay. Or something like, uh, you know, your car's overheating. What could be the problem? Just like really simple stuff that I had always taken for granted. Like, doesn't everybody know this? Yeah. And there's a lot of people that don't. Yeah, for sure. All right, we got one more. And then we'll we'll start wrapping this bad boy up. So, Last one is learn from others who've been through some similar experiences in, in our history, whether it was from the great depression and then learn how those people survived. Um, you mentioned financial collapses in Argentina, Greece, and Venezuela. Um, and then you mentioned a blog, actually, I think you forgot to link it up from the depression in Argentina in the oh, yes. early two thousands. What, um, what were some things that you learned from some of these, from these, some of these resources that might help in this day and age? Uh, 
it's kind of a situation like fighting. Like when you talk to people about self-defense, like a lot of people have a completely delusional idea of what self-defense looks like. You know, they think, ah, I'm tough. Somebody confronts me. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go crazy on them and beat their ass. Uh, People really don't understand the reality of like how violent encounters work and stuff like that. It's kind of the same deal with this. Um, You know, we're facing a situation where, uh, this is unprecedented. None of us have ever experienced anything like this. Or presumably none of us have ever experienced anything like this. We don't know what to expect. And people's expectations of what to expect are based off of just things that they imagine in their head. It's like, no, we don't have to go by that. We actually have people who have lived through stuff like this uh, in the fairly recent past. You know, the Depression, obviously, that was you know, 100 years ago. But uh, like those financial collapses in those those countries you mentioned um we're probably going to be going through something somewhat similar to what they went through it's really useful to learn like what was their day-to-day existence like or what was their day-to-day existence like what did they have to do to survive what did they have to do to put food on the table uh was was it just complete chaos or was everything pretty much just normal just a different flavor of normal you know Just learning stuff like that can be really helpful uh, just to learn what to do, but also it's kind of a psychological comfort sort of thing. The the thing that's just almost mind boggling. If you try to get your head around, I have a buddy who, who does some marketing for a company that works with like Airbnb, VRBO and literally almost overnight, the revenue comes to a screeching halt. And a lot of these companies can't survive for more than a few days without that industry. And that to me, um, that's wow. That that goes back to the diversifying income concept mm-hmm. as a business. I mean, even my buddy, he's like, I've been trying to get this, this small company, these guys to, to find other revenue streams because it's just, uh, it's too scary. It's too risky. So, um, the fact that things can fall off that quickly is, is, uh, it doesn't even have to come from a virus. There's, there's a million other things that could happen in our economy that, that could create something like this. So uh, awesome tips, man. I think, um, this is the launch to the El Diablo podcast, <laughs> whether you like it or not. I'm, I'm basically, I'm basically going to go create a freaking podcast for you. I'm going to do the work for your ass. And well, for- I have the time now and I appreciate your prodding there. I'm going to force you to do it. I have this, I have a Spreaker account, which is a, a podcast, uh, a podcast launcher. And basically I can put as many shows as I want on here. So I'm just going to launch a show for you and you're going to do it. So now the world has heard it. He's not scared. <laughs> I'll I'll uh, I'll see if we can dig up uh, enough for some content next week. You got ton, you got tons of content. It's gonna be awesome, man. Um, thanks for the time. I think it was, all, it was fun to talk about that stuff. I think information is definitely power, and it allows us to relax a little bit uh, around the situations. But um, if you guys are listening, I heard, hope you guys learned something from it, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Yeah, thanks, thanks Jason. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it.